everyone, and welcome back to the Biblical One podcast. I'm Kat. And I'm Nicole. And I don't know about anybody else, but during the COVID season, did y'all like watch any shows that you normally wouldn't have watched? Like, I watched Tiger King. Yes! (laughs) Yes! Yes! Tiger King. Like, I watched Tiger King. I watched uh, Love is Blind. Um, just shows I never, ever would have watched before. I guess like with Tiger King, it's like, you know, it's a documentary if you haven't seen it. And it's just, it's crazy. You're like, oh, this is going to be another boring TV documentary about tigers. Well, it's (laughs) not. Um, It's about the illegal big cat trade within the United States. You know, there's a plot for murder. Uh, there's like meat grinders that husbands disappear into. There's cults. There's arson on alligator buildings. It's crazy. Oh yeah, it's the not the drama is nonstop. And I mean, it might have been my favorite part of 2020. Yes, the memes, the memes. Probably not. I know. I say that. I mean, I, I really do think the memes were even better than the show. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> But anyway, I bring all of this up because there's a great new Christian podcast. It's a documentary of something that happened actually not too long ago in church history, but it centers around Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll. It covers all of the things that went on there, all of the unfortunate um, abuse and just tragedy that happened there within that church and with that pastor. It really feels like the Tiger King for Christians, unfortunately, um, as I've been listening through this podcast, I believe it's by Christianity Today. They do a great job covering the story. It's very interesting, but they're also very gracious in how they report things, being very sensitive to the extent of how awful the situation was for a lot of people. I bring all of this up talking about Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll because today we're going to be talking about narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, and narcissistic abuse. When I started writing our outline, writing our notes, I had originally geared this episode for narcissistic abuse within the clergy from pastors and elders. But I think we're going to take this episode and address um, narcissistic abuse really from all angles um, and how we as Christians should address it, heal, and move forward. Yeah, this is such a serious topic, and I'm glad that we're talking about it because this is very, one, it's very different from our typical topics that we address on here, but you're right. I think this is um, unfortunately a pervasive problem in the church, and, you know, I was thinking, you know, we did that whole series on Girl Runaway, and, you know, just that whole series was fantastic, and I think this, in a way, kind of falls into that because, The thing about narcissistic personality disorders, they can be very charming. And we'll talk about that later, but, you know, it it can be easy to kind of get sucked into, you know, a congregation where maybe there is that pastor in charge. And so it's, it's good for us to be able to just be aware of what this is and what some of the signs are. Absolutely. And that was a major problem with everything that happened at Mars Hill and with Mark Driscoll was very charismatic, very charming, very likable individual. And a lot of people got sucked into that very bad environment. 
And in all fairness, you know, I do want to point out that we are all prideful. We all struggle with this in, you know, one way or another, but really talking about narcissistic personality disorder and just how sinful that is. And I've been reading a really great book here recently. It's called Let Us Pray. And it's P-R-E-Y, like a wolf praying on sheep. And the author is Daryl Pulse. I believe I'm saying that last name correctly. But I included a really good quote here that I want to share with you guys. And it says, narcissists can be chameleons of incredible proportions. They can blend themselves in to fit almost any situation if it gives them what they need. They are often the most charming, intelligent, and seemingly well-read and amazingly manipulative, non-empathetic to the problems of others. And they are also vindictive, spiteful, and unrelenting in their attacks against their perceived enemies. I think this topic is so important to talk about because, you know, Christians who struggle with narcissism are hurting both non-believers and fellow believers. And we as church members, seminary professors, pastors, deacons, elders, we need to be mindful of this dangerous sin issue and address it when we see it. So before we jump into all of this, let's take a look at the Bible and see what it has to say about this. So the type of dangerous narcissism we are talking about is one that displays an overwhelming individual pride. You know, in this excessive pride or narcissism, it leads individuals to violate the commandments and the definition of love as outlined within scripture. First verse that we're going to look at is Proverbs 16, 18, and it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When we take a look at Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll, you know, that's what we saw was this very haughty spirit that hurt others in epic proportions. And then came the fall of Mars Hill. The name of the show is Who Killed Mars Hill? So I think we can absolutely see that Bible verse in action there. So the next Bible verse that, you know, I think we need to point out is Proverbs 1533, which says the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom and humility comes before honor. I don't know if you guys need a good devotional, but my husband and I have been reading through the imitation of Christ and it's very, very good. It, uh, it can sound very Catholic because it comes from before the Protestant Reformation. So time when everybody was Catholic, but it had a quote in there from a nun. Basically, she wrote that humility is necessary in order for our sanctification and growth in the spiritual disciplines. We have to first be able to acknowledge that we are sinful people that we are not perfect by any means. And we have to develop that humility to ask Christ to help us become more like him and see our need for him every single day. Humility is a great marker of sanctification because yes. that is a lifelong battle to be humble and to not think of yourself less as in the sense of you know uh, demeaning yourself, but just to think of yourself less, if that makes sense, you know, that we are thinking of other people that we are not constantly just coming from a point of our own perspective or just like thinking of our own interests. And 
So yeah, when you look at something like narcissistic personality disorder, that is like the complete opposite of a humble spirit of any type of humility. Again, it is so much about pride, but like pride on steroids, like pride to the extent that you want other people to admire you and pride to the extent that you want to control everything and everyone around you. Absolutely. And what you'll see as we kind of move into what narcissistic personality disorder looks like, you will definitely be able to see the need for control, to control other people, to control the situation. You will absolutely be able to see all of that. So, and I think as Christians, you know, we understand that our terms for narcissism or NPD, you know, is it's a sinful heart attitude that needs to be fixed. But I, I do want to throw out there some characteristics of uh, NPD as outlined by the DSM-5, because I think that'll help us be able to identify the sin. And there are nine traits, I believe. So let's go ahead and talk about some of these. So the very first thing that we notice is this grandiose sense of self-importance. You know, this is the individual that exaggerates their achievements and their talents, and they expect to be recognized as superior to everyone else. Yes. And so this can include also fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Like Mm -hmm. this is just um, what it is. Um, They believe that they are special and unique can only be understood by or associate with other people or high status people or institutions. So it's just this requirement of excessive admiration and this sense of entitlement too. Yeah, you know, this is the type of individual that has unrealistic expectations. They want favorable treatment and automatic compliance with their expectations. Yeah. And I think also what is scary, and you kind of touched on it earlier, these people also, um, they exploit other people, right? They are Mm -hmm. always kind of keying in on how they can take advantage of others to achieve their own ends or outcomes. And they lack empathy, which is really scary because that's right. Empathy is being able to recognize and identify with the feelings and needs of others. And somebody who is narcissistic genuinely like they can't do that they might come across in the beginning they might make a good impression they might seem as though they're sincere or really caring but that again is kind of part of their manipulation well and i think that this point here is especially condemning for christians because we need empathy in order to display the love that is outlined within the bible we absolutely need empathy Yeah. Without that, there is no compassion. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the next thing that I think we need to point out with a narcissist is that they are often envious of others or the flip side, you know, they believe other people are envious of them. And again, you know, they just show these arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. Yikes. I know it's (laughs) like, it's crazy. Like, I don't know, I guess reflecting on my own life, you know, I, I personally have been through narcissistic abuse at the hands of the church, uh, at the hands of pastors. So this episode absolutely hits home with me. Everyone is a sinner and we are all, we're all wrestling with pride in different areas in different ways, but we all have to have healthy views of ourselves. 
Nicole and I kind of put together a little list of ways for us to have a healthy view of ourselves and what that looks like. This list contradicts the list that we just gave. The first thing that you need to understand about yourself in order to have a healthy view of yourself as an individual is you need to have a realistic self-appraisal of your abilities and your limitations. And this means that, you know, you're going to be able to tolerate criticism, rejection, approval, and praise correctly and with grace. Part of the list that we just gave from the DSM-5, the grandiose sense of self, it's not wrong for Christians to have dreams, to chase these dreams. However, we need to make sure that our dreams motivate us towards achievement, whatever that might be. And you know, these dreams are going to align themselves with scripture and what God desires for us. They're not centered on ourself. Right. Yeah. And I think that is a big distinction because somebody who is narcissistic, they truly do only have their own interests in mind and their own glory in mind. Whereas as Christians, our motivation is the glory of God. So I think that's a huge difference. And yeah, being able to have that realistic view of ourselves, being able to tolerate criticism, praise, that is, again, just that's humility is what that is. And that is, like I said, that's a lifelong thing because that is just an ongoing work of sanctification because it is not in our natural bent to, to do those well naturally. Yeah, it's, it's so hard. And like you said, it's a lifetime of work. And part of that is, you know, we need to be able to control our sense of power, our sense of constructive aggression. And the narcissist isn't able to do that. You know, they start receiving this approval, this praise, or on the flip side, the criticism and rejection, and they lash out. Um, They feel very empowered and they start channeling aggression towards other people. And so when someone rejects us or places criticism on us, we need to be able to handle that with grace and with love. Yes. Yes. And as believers, we are called to be empathetic and compassionate. Yeah. Just kind of, it's like the opposite is kind of, I think the point that we're making, um, we want to have the ability to tolerate feelings of self-conscious emotions, you know, for example, envy, shame, and pride. Like we are going to struggle with those sometimes, but I think as Christians, the difference is that we are longing to be rid of those, you know, we're not trying to glory in those or increase those in our life. Um, those are the things that we want to lay down. Absolutely. And like I said before, um, I was a victim from this and looking back now, even writing this episode, it brought back a lot of things It brought back a lot of emotions. And I spent a lot of time in reflection and you know, something I wanted us to talk about today was tactics, especially tactics of manipulation, because we see narcissistic personality disorder. People who have that will often use these manipulative tactics. And it's not just people, it's not just narcissists. Other people, (laughs) yeah, other people can absolutely use these um, on other people as well. And these are absolutely very, very sinful But I I do think we need to talk about what these tactics are, what they look like. So if you are ever in a situation where someone starts to do this to you, you can be like, ah, no, no, no. I I see what's going on here. 
you can just be prepared and be protected. So let's, let's talk about these. Probably one of the most popular ones that everybody knows is called gaslighting. It's technically not so much a tactic, but more of an effect. You know, it's this cycle where the abuser lies and the victim is left feeling invalidated in their pain. The manipulator is using this effect to cause the victim to feel or act or think something that they wouldn't have, you know, thought or felt otherwise. And this is absolutely just horrible. It's insidious because it leaves the victim questioning everything. And as you'll see, a lot of these manipulation tactics, they're very, very similar to this gaslighting effect, or I should say they are the gaslighting effect. Like the biggest thing about gaslighting, and you hit on it, is making somebody question their own sanity, right? Where they, the person that is being manipulated comes to this point of feeling as though they can't trust their own self or their own judgment. They start to think that the problem is with them rather than the person who is, you know, doing the gaslighting. And it's especially insidious with Christians because it's like the abuser is the one that is sinning, but they are convincing the victim that they are the ones who are sinning against the abuser. Yes. Yes. But I think like that kind of leads into the next tactic, which is invalidation. You know, this is where the perpetrator leaves the victim wondering like, am I crazy? Like you said, Nicole, am I crazy? You know, did I, did I make this situation up? Because the perpetrator is knowingly minimizing and diminishing the pain, the anguish, the fear of the victim. Right. And this makes sense because remember what we said about them not having empathy, right? So they don't have empathy for other people. There literally is no way for them to be able to genuinely validate an emotion of any kind. And so what you might hear is like a phrase such as, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm. So it's not really acknowledging the emotion or giving validation to the emotion. It's, it's kind of a, like, a, like almost a degrading kind of a statement, yeah. right? Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Like, okay, that's not my fault. That's just, that's how you feel. And, you know, it's just, it is, it's just invalidation. Yeah. And it just shows that this person is lacking the compassion and lacking the empathy, like you said. And another popular tactic is stonewalling. You know, this is where our abuser will act confused. They'll pretend to not understand anything the victim is saying. And while doing this, they are also withholding their feelings from the individual, which is also, I guess, another form of invalidation of all of these emotions that the victim is feeling. Yeah, so these statements might sound like them telling you, like, you're not making any sense or I have no idea what you want me to say. Yeah, and as you can see in those, like, abuser is acting confused, like not knowing what the victim wants when they absolutely know exactly what they're doing and what the person they hurt needs. Again, there's no ownership of anything, of any wrongdoing. Like the narcissist is not going to apologize or take responsibility for any wrongdoing. Ooh, so unbiblical. The next tactic I put down here, guys, is triangulation. And this is a very sad tactic because now with this one, we see the, we have the abuser, but we also have an additional friend or family member against the victim. 
No, yeah. So this is just like when they try to pull in somebody else, whether it's a friend or a family member, it's kind of like they're trying to get that person on their side, you know, so it's like this two against one situation. And that is a form of trying to isolate the victim from their support system. And this is a a strategy because if they can do that, if they can make their victim feel isolated, then they can control them. And, you know, this is why in my dating blogs, I have written to always continue pouring time and energy into your positive relationships outside of your boyfriend or girlfriend, because you might be with an abusive partner and not know it. And if they can separate you from your support system, your friends, your family, whoever is your support system, like Nicole said, they are better able to control you. So let's move on to the fourth one. Oh, no, I can't count, guys. This is the fifth one. Sorry. (laughs) This is the fifth. I can't count. Um, So the fifth one is called countering. What we see in this situation is we have the abuser who is questioning the memory of the victim. And what's so convincing about this tactic is the abuser provides past examples as evidence against the victim. Yeah, this one's ugly too. So it might sound like, well, you know, I never said that or get your facts straight or you have a very active imagination. So again, this is that gaslighting effect of, okay, you start to question yourself like, oh, well, maybe they didn't really say that. Oh, maybe I am making it up or reading too much into it or making assumptions. You know, you start to question yourself. Narcissists can be very convincing. Well, this countering, it goes back to the gaslighting effect where you are making the victim question their reality, question their sanity. And like literally passing, the narcissist is passing trying to pass off their sin as the victim's fault and the victim's sin when that is absolutely not the case. This goes straight into the last tactic that we're going to be talking about, which is vilifying the victim. This is especially dangerous within the church because it puts the victim on defense while the abuser pretends to be the victim. They parade around as if they have been hurt by the victim When the victim tries to defend themselves, the abuser kind of like tunes up that act and it often leaves the victim just looking more like the villain in the story rather than the victim. Yeah. So using, again, it's just manipulation, maybe even using a lot of sarcasm, you know, I think is how this one comes up like, oh, so now you just think I'm the... I guess I'm the worst husband there is, or, you know, things like that, where it kind of like turns it and I don't know, it just gets really ugly. Yes. You know, these tactics we have to, there's so many more. I just picked out a handful that I feel like I hear and see a lot of. Um, There are definitely more that you can research. Knowing these will be able to help you identify if this has happened to you in the past or if someone is going to use these on you in the future, you can better defend yourself against these types of attacks. So moving forward. So like if you have experienced this in your life, whether it's in an interpersonal relationship with a family member or a spouse, or you've been in a church where somebody in leadership or the pastor maybe has these personality traits and tendencies or NPD What can we do to heal and move forward? Well, as hard as it is, I think that 
the Bible is very clear that we are called to forgive just as Christ forgave us. And I know that that is absolutely hard to do and it, it can take years. Um, I know for me, it took a very, very long time to do um, because a narcissist can leave severe psychological and it can leave spiritual trauma, especially if it occurred within the church could be very hard for you to trust people within the church. But I want to encourage you that, you know, there are godly men and women who genuinely desire to serve the Lord and who do biblically love his church. We are called to forgive this person, no matter how many times they sin against us. And like I said, I, I know that is so, so hard. And, and in just another layer of complexity, you know, we have to realize that the narcissist may never repent. They may never see their sin, but we are still called to forgive them. As I was preparing for this episode, I was reading through the Lord's prayer and there's just something I want to point out to you guys in the original language. We see the word that means to release What that means for us is that we are choosing to release our pain, our desire for revenge, and our anger towards this person, even though they haven't done anything to deserve it. We can choose to forgive them. We can choose to love them without them ever apologizing because we can find our healing and love and peace in Christ, and we just have to cling to him for that. That's so good. And actually in our church, um, we just did a series on forgiveness, which was very good. Typically we like expository preaching where, you know, we go through a book of the Bible, you know, kind of section by section. Um, However, like I said, we just kind of recently did a a different thing um, for a break. Um, We did a series on forgiveness and it was so good. It was a four part, like four Sunday thing. And it was really good. And one of the things I remember that our pastor said, you know, because there sometimes are situations where, yes, we absolutely need to forgive, but that doesn't mean that we have to put ourselves back in a situation where there is abuse going on. Right. Yeah. Um, But the thing that I loved that he said that even when we have to do that, when, you know, those extreme examples of like what we're talking about in this episode when we do have to put up those appropriate boundaries, we can still give the other person grace by praying for them. And I thought that was such a great point and just a great way to think about it because clearly somebody who is living this kind of lifestyle and treating people this way, like they are far from Christ and we need to pray for them. And that can be really hard to do. I know just that first prayer after this wound, it can, it can be very painful And like I said, it can take years, but you can find peace and healing and forgiveness and love in Christ. And he freely gives it. He wants to give it to us. It's a heavy topic. There's a lot of weight to it, I think, today. But I'm so glad that we were able to talk about just this issue of narcissistic personality disorder. And it really can just be something that's very difficult to um, heal from. But we know that it is not impossible to heal from. Like Nicole said, you know, this is a a very hard topic to talk about. It can be especially hard for the church to talk about because it is such a big sin issue. We all struggle with pride, 
but narcissism is that extreme severe sense of pride. And as Christians, you know, we have to address it, even if it's uncomfortable, because when a Christian has that level of sin of that pride, you know, they end up hurting fellow believers and also non-believers as well. But that is why, like, we have to address it. We have to understand and know what it is in order to better build up the church and to be a better family of Christians.